return to your seats. Go ahead and remain standing just real quick. I'm going to read Psalm 138. While you're opening your Bibles to Psalm 138, uh, there is a red Jeep in the parking lot. Your lights are on, so if you own a red Jeep, you might want to go check that out or just double check in Jesus' name. Psalm 138 is a psalm of David. I'm going to read from the New King James Version today. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they will sing, or they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great, we just sang it, great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, watch this. Though the Lord is on high, <laughs> yet he regards the lowly. Oh, aren't you glad God came down? Mm. But the proud he knows it from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Everybody say, God's in trouble. Well, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. I want you to get this picture real quick in your mind. With his left hand, he's holding back the wrath of the enemy. And with his right hand, he's blessing and saving. Come on, aren't you, look at what this image is. It's the cross. With one hand, he held back the wrath. And with another hand, oh my Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching already. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And with the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach real fast this title, The Bold Magnification of God's Word. If you got your Bible, I want you to get it out, put it in your hand and lift it up over your head, and let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you are the living Word. And I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Speak both your logos and your rima through my lips today to your church. Open our understanding that we might comprehend Scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray it and ask it in the majestic name of Jesus. And if you love that name, would you shout glory? You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I got about a 12-hour sermon. I'm going to try to compact down into 20 to 30 minutes here. Hallelujah. Psalm 138 begins the final set of psalms that are written by David. They extend up through 145. 
And it is apparent by this psalm that David is pressured by enemies that were fighting him and their false gods. We can see that David needs a specific answer from God and his word. And so he opens with wholehearted praise, desiring a word from God. As is the case with many of David's psalms, they're both prophetic of the Messiah to come, first coming, and the apocalypse, second coming. And we'll see this in a little bit in the psalm. Amen. Praise God. And as David closes Psalm 138, he reminds the reader that God is in trouble and will not forsake His works. Amen. And while the, the, the last phrase is actually an audacious statement telling the Lord not to forget, it's not arrogant. David wasn't commanding God. He was simply reminding God of His immutable character. Mm-hmm. If you've come to church today, if you're watching online today, and you need an answer from God, then I've come to tell you this psalm and this message is for you. And by the time I finish preaching it, God will magnify His Word in your life and to your situation, and you will leave differently than the way you came. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, I want to encourage you. If you walk through the right door, leave out the left door. If you came in the side door, walk out the front door. Come on, leave differently as a statement of faith that I came in one way, but I'm leaving another. Oh, listen, somebody came in here sick, and you're going to leave healed. Somebody came empty, and you're going to leave filled. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Let me tell you the first thing that the magnified Word of God does. Are you ready? It answers and it emboldens. Oh, hallelujah. Being a man after God's own heart, David sings and worships God with his whole heart. Is there really any other way? I mean, can you really give God half-hearted praise? Can you really give Him half-hearted worship? I don't think so. (laughs) He praises God for His mercy and His truth. And watch this. When the praises went up, The glory came down. (laughs) And God magnified His Word above all of His name. You want to know what that was saying to David? He knew I am that I am. That was the revealed name at this time. He knew that was the highest name of God, Yahweh. He understood that. It, It represented all of God was. And what God was saying, my Word is of greater value than that. It's of higher value than that. Now, here's what's interesting. There is no specific mention of the question that David needed answered or the request he was praying about. It doesn't mean it didn't exist because it obviously did. Because he says, I cried unto the Lord and he answered me. Verse number Uh, Three, in the day when I cried out, you answered me. So whatever the question was, whatever the prayer request was, there was one. Are you with me? Uh But David doesn't tell us what it is. David doesn't give us what it is in the word. But what David does tell us is that God magnified his word 
answering him and emboldened him. Listen. <laughs> Some of you come in here with a request today, and I'm not telling you not to be specific to, to it with God. I'm not telling you to not ask God what it is, but the Bible says he already knows what we need even before we ask it. So I want to challenge you in the Holy Ghost just to start praising him like it's already answered. Just to start thanking him as if it's already done. I want you to look ahead into the future and see through the eyes of heaven of what God's already done. Oh, my Lord, if you would just open up those spiritual eyes. I feel like the prophet today telling his servant, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that they that are with us are more than they that be against us. You've got your eyes on the enemy. You've got your eyes on the problem. You've got your eyes, Pastor Jeremy, on the pain but God has come today with the first half and the second half to tell you I've got a promise over here for you to see glory glory hallelujah somebody say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me you see God's word answers and emboldens let me put, it, put verse 3 back up here again, please. In the day when I cry. Somebody say in the day. Not the next day. Not the next week. Not the next month. Not the next service. Not the next convention. Come on, not the next camp meeting. Come on. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. And made me bold with strength in my soul. Somebody walked in here with a little bit of doubt today. Somebody walked in here with a little bit of fear today. But you're walking out with a bold faith today. You're walking out with strength today. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing the magnified word does is this. It reigns and rules. In verses 4 through 6, David begins to go pro uh, prophetic here. He actually speaks of a time to come, the apocalypse, when in fact Jesus Christ will reign over the whole earth. Now, he does now because his word says so. But not all the kings of the earth recognize him. But on that day, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. See, here's the difference. Some of us are going to do it willingly. On that day, some of us are going to say, you are king, you are Lord, you are God of all. But others, the, the sheer presence of God is going to force them to their knees. And they're going to bow their knees. And the sheer presence of God is going to open their mouths and declare through them, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what David is seeing in verses 4 through 6. And I've come to tell you that the word of God rules and reigns. The constitution can be raped and aborted in America. The, the words of man can be twisted in America. Media can take over and say what they want to do and, and, and act like they want to act. But the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Immutable. Amen. Hallelujah. So the magnified word rules and reigns. Listen, if you have a, a need today, I know the answer. I know where it is. It's right here. In the infallible, inerrant word of God. 
And God wants to magnify his word and let you know it rules and reigns in your life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But there's something else. Put up verse 6, please. Verse 6 of this psalm. Though the Lord be on high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Now, contextually, because of the rest of the, the psalm about he, he knows the proud from afar off, what he's saying here is, it's, it's what uh, I think James and Paul said. God gives grace to the humble, but, you know, he, he, he rejects the proud, right? Okay. So that's contextually what it's stating. But prophetically, there's something else it's showing. God, the king of kings, mind you, the Lord of lords, mind you, became flesh. Well, watch. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word what? And verse 14 of John 1. The word was made flesh. And what, Brother Keith? Dwelt among us. He that was on high oh, said, watch this. If I want them to become like me, I've got to become like them. Oh. And so he came down and put his spirit and himself into a fleshly body. Was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. Hung and died on a tree. Bled and shed his blood so that we could be saved. Rose again on the third day. Ascended a few days later. Why? To bring us salvation so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And so implicitly David begins to prophesy the incarnation. That's what John 1 1 is. And 1 14, that's the incarnation. God becoming man, becoming flesh. But you know, there's two parts to the incarnation. The first part is God becoming flesh. That's John 1 14. The second part is in John 14 20, when we're filled with all the fullness of God. He says, In that day, what day? The day you're born again, the day you have your Pentecost. In that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father. You and me, and I and you. And Ephesians tells us that we're filled with all the fullness of God. So watch this. Brother Jeremy, when you got the Holy Ghost, he didn't just give you a tenth of it. Huh. Oh, come on, somebody. Just because I'm slowing down doesn't mean I'm still excited. Come on now. Listen, it doesn't just mean he gave you just a little bit. He gave you all. Ah, I got to move on. I got to hurry. Hallelujah. I'm hungry. And we got cookies coming. It's Father's Day. Whew. Third thing, watch this. The magnified word, ready? Revives, protects, and perfects. Mm. Here it is, ready? Verse 7. Though I walk in the... Wait a minute. Put it up there. It doesn't say if I walk. It's though I walk. Implying there's going to be times I walk in trouble. Pastor Jeremy, there's going to be times where the pain of that coat is still... Oh, come on, somebody. So though I walk in the midst of trouble, it doesn't say you might 
revive me. It doesn't say, well, you know, if there's enough God power left in you, and, and, and if, you know, if you're not on a vacation somewhere, Lord, if, if you're not, you know, stretching out in the Bahamas and, and having a, a week off, it just says, in the day that I'm walking through trouble, you're going to be there to revive me. The emboldened word revives. If you need some strength, if you need a revival today, get into the Word. Let it begin to revive your spirit. Let it begin to revive your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Watch this. Watch this. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of the enemies. I showed you that in the, in the reading of the text, how the, the, the depiction of what could be the cross. But there's another depiction of this. When they get to Pi Hahiroth, this is they've left Egypt. They get to this place called Pi Hahiroth. It's a gorge. There's mountains on both sides. It opens up into a beach. There's a Red Sea in front of them. Pharaoh's now behind them and has cut them off. They can't go over the mountain. There's not a cruise ship waiting for them to get on. And now he's got the gorge blocked. They're hemmed in. But sometimes we miss this in the text. And if you'll read it, you'll see. That the same fire of God that has been leading them to this point goes, and if this is, is the mouth of that gorge, and this is Egypt's army, the fire of God begins to stand there, blocking them. In other words, the wrath of the enemies. Meanwhile, God's over here with his right hand outstretched, Moses and the staff. And waters are parting. Somebody needs to understand that God is standing in between the wrath of your enemy and opening up a new way for you. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. So God's word revives. Now God's word protects. Isn't that something? But look at verse 8. The Lord will perfect. That means to complete. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me if I was to ask any one of you and turn the mic on and say what's your concern today and hand it around the room some of you might have a concern of well I, I, I need a better job some might say well I, I need a reconciliation in a relationship some might say there's a physical healing I need. Some might say there's an emotional situation. And each one of us around the room, there would be similarities, but there would be a vast number of differences. Amen. Brother AJ is single. He might have... <laughs> I'm stating the obvious, brother. I'm not trying to say you're available. Get your schooling done first, okay? God will find you the right young lady. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, all right, yeah, amen. But his needs are going to be different than, than Brother West's needs. Brother West got two kids. You see what I mean? Well, watch this, watch this. God, I might have a hard time keeping track. Okay, what was it Alicia needed? And then Colin, what did you need? And oh my goodness. And by the time I get over here, Jeff, I'm sorry. What was it again you needed? Oh, that's right. A, a raise. Okay, you know, right? But watch this. God could go around the room and what's your concern, what's your concern, and, and know them all before we ask. Now watch. The Lord will complete that's what perfect means. That which, come on, somebody needs to say that for yourself right now. The Lord will complete that which concerns me. 
What concern did you walk into this building with today? What did you walk in and worship while the praise team sang? And, and, and what concern did you have while the first half was going on? And what concern did you have, amen, if you were a Sunday school teacher in the first half or downstairs with the youth? Whatever your concern was, God will complete that which concerns you. He knows every need in this place. But let me just blow your mind even further. Every apostolic person, every believer, every person in a church today that may not yet be born again, that's come with a concern from here to wherever, across the entire globe, he knows every need and will perfect that which concerns me. Hallelujah. But let me just, I just, I got to, I got to stay in first gear for just a minute. Come here, Brother Jeremy. See, this is what we do. We want God to perfect that which concerns us. So we say, Lord, I, I trust in you. I'm leaning not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging you, Lord. And he's like, thanks, I appreciate that. Here, just take my hand. And he starts leading us through a valley. Kind of like you're pulling away. And he's like, well, I thought you wanted to, don't you trust me? Yeah, but Lord, that's the valley of the shadow of death. I, I know. You, would you just, come on. <laughs> There's sometimes as a pastor I'd like to do that. I won't tell which one of you who, it, they're probably not here. They're probably watching online today, so. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But. But, but watch, but, but let's say, let's say this is Jeremy's path of that which concerns him. You see, just like Joseph, he may not seen the end just yet. He may have felt the sting of being sold by those brothers and felt the sting of what it was uh, to be in that prison and all of that. But, but listen, he, he may not fully understand in, in those moments. I, I think as he matured, he did. But here's what our, our problem is. If God takes AJ and, and his concern is something different and his concern's a lot faster and God moves a lot quicker with him, we get to comparing, why is AJ getting blessed? Why am I stuck back there in the valley and, and he got to run the aisles? Are you with me? It doesn't say God will perfect that which concerns me and do it all the same for every one of us. Because God knows what we need, when we need it, why we need it, how we need it, where we need it, and what we need. So how about we just let God be God, and if God wants to speed his up and give him a speedy work, great. Hallelujah. I'll rejoice with you. Go ahead, brother. Hallelujah. And you know what? If my brother's still in the valley, I'll rejoice with him because his day's coming. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. You see, sometimes we've got to understand seasons. Not all of us are in the same season. Now, I know we're in a shift, so I'm not trying to confuse you. What I mean is, sometimes some of us go through struggles. Right? Don't get caught in the trap of looking around and seeing somebody else worshiping and think that they're not in a struggle. Or think, why are they getting to shout? Maybe their encouragement, because they're in a different season, will help you in yours. All right, okay, you got it? So God revives, his, his magnified word revives. If you need a revival, go to the word. It protects, if you need protection, go to the word. And if you need completion, go to the word.
talking about what the magnified word does. Now, remember I told you God is in trouble, and I've, I've preached that probably seven ways to Sunday. I like that phrase because in Deuteronomy 28, 7, my enemy strikes me from one way, and I send him running seven ways. So today I'm, I'm, I'm kicking the devil's behind seven ways to Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. But I got to looking because in my study of Psalms, I wanted to know how many Psalms echo the God is in trouble theme. Are you ready? I'm going to run through them as fast as I can. 12, 13, I'm watching the time. I'm hungry for my cookie. Don't worry. Amen. One day this guy was, Brother Stoops was praying for this man when he was at a camp. And they started making a canteen and the burgers were, were grilling and they could smell it. And instead of saying, Lord, fill him with the Holy Ghost, he said, fill him with a hamburger. Amen. Some of you are praying, Lord, let, him, let, let Brother Powell taste that, you know, cookie. You know, and I am. I'm, it's in my mouth. But just let me finish. All right, here we go. Watch this. Psalm 99. God's a refuge in time of crisis. Psalm 20, verse 1, he hears and defends in the day of trouble. Psalm 22, 11, he's nearer when danger is close. Psalm 27, 5, he hides and protects us in trouble. Psalm 31, 9, his everlasting mercy reaches us in troubling times when our soul is overwhelmed. In Psalm 32, 7, he sings song. God sings song. Watch this. God sings songs of deliverance when you're in trouble. That's 32, 7. And then Psalm 34, 7, 41, 1, 50, 15, 60, 11, 81, 7, get the tape and watch it later. 91, 15, 102, verse 2, 107, verse 6, 13, 19, 28, and 108, verse 12 says that when we pray, God hears and delivers us out of all our troubles. I'm not done. Hold on. God is our ever-present help, giving us refuge and strength to persevere through troubles. Psalm 46.1 and 59.16. When the test becomes overwhelming and we're in anguish and about to quit, God delights us in trouble with His commandments. Psalm 119.143. And revives us for His namesake and restores our soul out of trouble. Psalm 143 verse 11. And in this psalm, Psalm 138 verse 7. Amen. When we walk through trouble, He's with us. I don't know how many that was, but it was a whole bunch. And in all of those psalms written by different writers, the reminding factor is this, that when you're in trouble, God's not a million miles away. God's not on a vacation. God is with you in trouble. And if that's not enough, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God cannot lie, cannot fail, cannot deny himself. So let his magnified word revive you. Someone right now needs to hear this. You are not alone in trouble. God is walking with you and will revive you. And once you rejoice that God's with you in your trouble, reviving your soul, protecting you and all of that, realizing his hand stretches out and saves you, then claim his magnified word to protect and perfect you. David ends this psalm and says to God not to forsake the works of your hands. It's, a, it's almost as if he's commanding God. But let's notice why he says it. He remembers and recognizes with one hand God restrains the wrath and with the other he blesses. I want to be on the right side of God's hands. So if you've got a promise from God, keep on hanging to it. Keep on believing, praying, worshiping, serving, loving, giving, and speaking in faith. Put up a Psalm 19, please. Psalm 19, verse 7. In this psalm that I'm about to read to you, law, testimony, uh, statutes, commandments, all of these are words 
that identify the word of God, okay? So I'm going to interject for each of them the word of God, okay? So here we go. So the first, the word of the Lord instead of the law. The word of the Lord is perfect. <laughs> Watch this. Not only does he perfect me, he is perfect. Yeah, okay. The, law of the, Lord is, or the word of the Lord is perfect. What's it do? Converting the soul. The word of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The word of the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart. The word of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The word of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they. That's the word. More to be desired than gold. Yea, much fine gold. It's sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And moreover, by the word your servant is warned. And in keeping the word there is great reward. You see, the power of the magnified word of God is that it becomes vital to our existence because it's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, everlasting, trustworthy. It converts and makes wise. It brings joy inwardly and enlightens our understanding. It's more valuable than money and gold. It's sweeter than honey and it warns of danger to those who obey it. So when you magnify God's word, He will manifest Himself to you. Now, you've heard me give this illustration before, some of you. But instead of trying to hear the voice of God, and if that happens to you, great. I hope it does. I think that would be a great thing. But instead of just seeking the voice of God, start looking for the verse. Because every time you read the Word of God, you're hearing the voice of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And since God is the Word, John 1, 1, John 1, 14. Oh, and by the way, uh, in Revelation 19, 13, this is really cool. It says that the name of God is the Word of God. So wait a minute. He, he magnifies His Word above His name. But his name is the word of God. And then he magnifies his word above his name. But his name is the word of God. He, and he magnifies his name above the word. But his name is the word of God. Do you see how this just goes to infinity and beyond? God bless brother Buzz Lightyear. Amen. Hallelujah. You can, God is endless. So watch that. Because of that it's not wrong for me to quote Psalm 34 this way. Put it up, please. Psalm 34, verse 2. My soul shall make her boast in the word. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the word with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the word. And he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Listen, this is more than a book. This is more than ink on paper. This is the magnified Word of God. Yeah. Glory! 
praise team, please come. There. I think that's right about 27 minutes, I think, if I'm correct. Is that okay, everybody? Is that good? Okay. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach two hours. Now, I know, like Pastor Jeremy today, this don't seem like a traditional Father's Day message. And quite frankly, it's not. But I will say this. If every man in this building, if every man watching this, father or not, would begin to magnify the word of God in your life, there would be a lot of change in our world. And, and, and you that are fathers, you that are husbands, if you want to affect change in your family, magnify the word of God. Become a man that's measured by this. Ephesians talks about the measure of Christ. Mature manhood. To that end, I'd like every man in this room, especially our fathers, but every man, to get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get your phone and open your Bible app. And I want you to stand with me. Now, ladies, you can stand in a minute. I want just the men. Now, we've got some ladies up here standing with the praise team. But just the men. I want you to get your Bible. And we're going to sing this song. This is our altar call today. We're going to declare the word over our city, over our family, over our country, over our world, over our church. I want you to magnify God's word as we sing it, as we pray it. I want you to begin to pray things as the Lord leads you. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Mm. As I pray in Jesus' name, Come on. my vision. 